Hi, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And we're here to keep it real, raw, and what it means to be the confident woman. All right, ladies. So today we have a special guest with us. We have Kristen Cook, MD. She's a pediatrician, mama of two, helps with parents to create effective parenting journey. She's the author of I Got You, Mama, a pediatrician's guide to surviving, thriving during pregnancy, childbirth, and the first year of your baby's life. Um, So moms, this is for you because it's an important one. And I know I'm going to have a lot of questions too. But I um, I love the name of your book because I feel like surviving and thriving during all those things are two different things. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The book really, what I focused on with the book is the stuff they (laughs) should have told you during this time in your life and nobody ever mentioned. Yeah. No, it's just, it's the gooey, gushy, raw, like, let's talk about it because somebody needs to. Yes. Mm -hmm. Then you're on the right podcast because it's exactly what we're all about. (laughs) Keeping it real, we keep it real raw and relatable. Like I said, the messy middle is where where all the good stuff is, and some people are just like, I want out of it as quickly as possible. But that's where all the nuggets are found, right? So yeah, we're going to talk about that. Yes. I love too um, that you obviously you're a pediatrician. How long have you been a pediatrician? A Almost a decade. Oh goodness! Oh, wow. awesome. So I like that too because I feel like okay, I'm in a bunch of moms groups, so I get a bunch of mom advice. But that that advice usually comes from what they read on Google or from another friend, right? So I think it's good to have, you know, an actual pediatrician that is a mom as well, kind of cover both of those things too. And I think I'm interested in your book too, because I feel like there's a lot that, like you said, we don't think about as moms until you come up to it. And it's like, you're not prepared. So then you panic and freak out. And it's like, what am I doing wrong? What's the problem? What's the issue? When really the stuff should have just been talked about ahead of time. So is that um so I guess you started off becoming a pediatrician and then became a mom or like yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so I let's see I had my first kid 2 years into my medical practice yeah and, and, feel and my entire style completely changed once I became a mom because gosh some of the stuff that they teach you in medical school is yeah. just not helpful for moms or yeah. parents right it really isn't <laughs> Right. Sometimes it could be like information overload. Sometimes I feel like I've had doctors tell me things and I'm like, I don't know what to do with that information. It's too much, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's And when you first have a kid and you are exhausted and hormonal, it's just like, it makes it 10 times harder to process that information. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is true or not. This is kind of a tangent, but you let me know with you for that. I've had people tell me that when women are pregnant, their brains physically are like smaller. I don't think that's true. That's from a friend of a friend. So that's yeah. what I'm talking about. This yeah. Is a- yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like that the game. Have- it's like the, mo- the game mom telephone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Someone told me that someone told her that someone told her. Um, okay. Well, that's kind of a bummer because it was making me feel a little bit better. <laughs> but that's okay. That's all right. Um, so after you became a mom, so you started your practice and then you're like, then you had a mom totally changed your approach to your practice like what would you say is like the biggest thing that you discovered being a mom that you were like this is this crap no one tells us or this oh there's so I- much stuff <laughs> from a medical standpoint the one thing that I want moms to understand is that most of the medical advice that we give are guidelines 
they are not hard and fast rules. And I have so many moms in my practice that have unnecessary guilt because they give their kid a tablet when they need to do laundry. But ladies, my kids, I guarantee you watch more than two hours of screen time every single day. It's just, I'm busy and I need to get stuff done and they're still little and I need them to entertain themselves. right? Right. So that's one of the things, take the pressure off yourselves, mamas, because Again, a lot of the medical information are simply guidelines. They're not hard and fast rules. And you're not a bad mom if you don't follow them to the T. Yeah. I think that's um, a good point, too, because like a lot of moms, when I compare to every other kid that they see, you know, you're in your mom groups and all that stuff. And so, I mean, I have my son's going to turn two in April and then I have a girl coming in May right after he turns two. Um, And so... I, him being like 22 months, like, like what you're saying, like, like my big thing right now is like speech. Right. And so it's like, there's kids I've met that are six weeks younger than him that speak like an adult almost like you can, they pay attention, they make eye contact and they'll whatever. And then my kid is like insane. He's jumping, sprinting, doing somersaults, has zero interest in like learning something. And I like cried probably six times a day for a whole month. I'm like, what's something wrong with him? And he doesn't talk and all this stuff. But what you're saying, like, there's these like guidelines. Obviously, you want to pay attention to them because they're there for a reason to make sure things are on track. But it's like not every kid walks by a certain age or talks by a certain age or does all these things. But we, I don't know, we have it inside of us as moms that we want to like compare. And I don't know if that's because we just want to make sure our kids are okay, <laughs> you know? So it's like you're just using those those guidelines and milestones to be like, okay, like I'm on track or I'm off track, but does that make sense? Like if you're absolutely, and I will tell you that learning how not to compare yourself to other parents, learning how not to compare your kids to other kids, and even learning not to compare your own personal children to each other is so important to having a more peaceful parenting journey. Because every kid develops a little differently. Certainly, if you're concerned about your child's development, talk to your pediatrician about it. Let them help you figure out what's quote unquote normal or needs to be worried about. Mm -hmm. But I have so many moms in my practice that are like, oh my gosh, my best friend's kid was walking at this age and mine's not. And oh my gosh, (laughs) take the pressure off. Every kid is different and unique. I like that advice. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not a mom. So I'm kind of like going to take the back burner here on this conversation. But it all makes sense because we see this happen in other areas of our life too, right? So I feel like being from a non-mom perspective, we can't put the pressure so much on our mom or as a mom to now fit all these different guidelines and criteria because the same rules kind of apply to us personally, right? Like we shouldn't be comparing ourselves and our our successes and our, you know, levels of achievement per se, like, well, so-and-so launched a business in two years and they're thriving and I'm still, you know, building my business or vice versa, right? So we can't look at that as a comparison metric, right? So mom or non-mom, the, the, the point and the value is still the same. Comparison is just, Oh, soul crushing sometimes for moms and non-moms. Yeah. You know, how many times do we scroll on Instagram and look at the pictures of the celebrities that are gorgeous and skinny and all, you know, all the things that society tells us that we're supposed to be? Mm. No. Right. 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 And they all have a lot of nannies, those moms. (laughs) Yeah. And night nurses. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I like that you use like peaceful parenting because when I was reading that, I was like, what the hell's that? What's peaceful parenting? Tell me about that. Yeah. So it's different for every parent. 
I don't like a one size fits all approach, which is why right. I, I don't like sleep training or it, every family is different and every family is unique. And you really have to look at your personal preferences. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where the whole peaceful parenting aspect came in is really from a standpoint of understanding your child's personal skills, ability, development, and work with that and try to look at the world from their perspective. And when you can approach the world from the perspective of your child, your journey instantly gets easier. Good. Great advice. Great and that's advice. what I need to learn to do. <laughs> yeah. And it's so hard, right? Because, yeah. you know, my daughter's going through a phase right now. She's six and she doesn't want to go to sleep. And oh, I want to sleep all the time. I'm yeah. tired. Just like a lot of moms, like our bed is heaven, right? But for her and for every other kid her age and younger, bedtime is boring. You know, so when you're in these battles at nighttime with a kid that is asking for water 700 times or wants 10 more stories, you need to understand that for them, bedtime is boring. And when you can look at it from that perspective, the struggle gets less frustrating. I don't think it's boring. I love to go. (laughs) My kid right now, we put him down for naps and he used to be such a great napper and now he is just raging. He jumps up and down in his crib, throws everything out jumps around and I'm trying to like, be like, this is where you sleep. This isn't like where we party, but that's same thing. Like, you know, kids change throughout. So we have to adjust to them and that, that gets exhausting. Oh yeah. You feel like you get something down and then the whole new, we do something oh, new. <laughs> it's, it's one thing after another as a, yeah. as a parent, really. Yeah. Love that. And so, okay. So I want to go back to your book too. When did, when did your book come out? I guess we'll talk it about was, that. It was published in January of 2021. Mm-hmm. Okay. So new. Okay. Congrats new. on, on the yeah. publishing. Yeah. Thank you. Exciting. And so you, it starts for, so someone was like, okay, I might need this book. What's in this book. So it's about, obviously it starts with pregnancy, thriving during pregnancy. It actually starts pre-pregnancy. And it kind of talks about the expectations of parenthood, because when we think about starting a family, we have all these like beautiful preconceived notions of kids that like eat salmon and quinoa and, Mm -hmm. you know, love us and hug us. And, and, and it's, that's not it. I mean, being a parent is full of a lot of bodily fluids, right. And, Mm -hmm. and screen kids and and not fun times and, and mess. And it's just kind of, trying to help people set reasonable expectations before they even dive into that journey of parenthood. Yeah, it's kind of I I like that. I like that concept because it's, you know, somebody's not necessarily picking your book up after like the aftermath, like, holy crap, this happened. What do I do? So you're setting the tone like, you know, here's the expectations that you may have throw them out the window because here's the reality of it. Right. And so you're you're giving them that that kind of nudge to let go of that. So it gives a little bit of the sneak peek of what the peaceful, you know, what your, your method is or your, your, what you've been talking about here so that you can go into it and be more curious, right? Instead of feeling like you have to check the boxes because all the criteria and expectations need to be met, right? That's like right. a perfection model kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And then when you say like thriving during pregnancy, I'm curious what you... Yeah. Because my mom was telling me, enjoy it, because this is going to be our last baby. She's like, enjoy being pregnant. I'm like, okay, so not this enjoying is a, this at all. 
So one of the biggest takeaways that I want moms to understand about pregnancy is you don't have to like it. Pregnancy can suck and it does not under any circumstances mean that you are any less worthy of that baby because you don't like it. I hated being pregnant. I hated it. And I talk about my pregnancy journeys in, in my book, but you don't have to like being pregnant. You don't have to enjoy it. Does anybody like vaginal itching or heartburn? Really? No. Does anybody no. like puking? No. That's a hard no. You know? <laughs> that's like true. The, and that's some people have it terrible. Like I, I have a friend that's like pregnant or still sick at 25 weeks. She's still like throwing up and sick. Yeah. And I'm like, that's And not. the message is that we're supposed to enjoy that? Really? No. Let's yeah. cut ourselves a little yeah. slack. Yeah, mom. Hope you're listening to this episode, Tam. <laughs> She's all right being called out. But I know it is. It is crazy. It's like, but but then just, I don't know. I feel like with my first, I it didn't bother me because everything was new. You know what I mean? I didn't know what to say. And I feel like with the second one, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to be done now. <laughs> like, okay. All done. Yeah. But- <laughs> with, with my second. So my son was a little bit premature. He was born at 35 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter... When she, when I got to 37 weeks with her, I went into my OB's office and I was like, get this kid out of me, like strip my membranes, do what you need to do. I need this child out of my body. Yeah, I know. And at least like you're a doctor, like, you know, the things to like ask and do, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. even as it gets closer to like childbirth, I noticed like same thing with this time. So a lot of moms I talk to experience the same thing where it's like your first kid again, like the ignorance is bliss. You just going to the hospital. Okay. I'm going to have this baby. Um, and then with the second one, I've been experiencing like so much more anxiety about the birth part, which is weird. Cause right. We've all done it before by the time you have your second one, but you have more anxiety about it. Cause you start thinking about now, you know, the things that can go wrong or whatever. And so what I've been learning from other people is kind of like having a plan in place and like knowing what your options are for birth giving and like setting those expectations with your doctor, right? Because I'm not a doctor. I'm the kind of person that like, my first baby, my doctor said this, we're doing this, this and this. And I was like, okay, I didn't know what my choices were. So like, what would you say for like moms coming up on a birth plan, right? Like, they're like, what's your birth plan? And I was like, don't die. Just get like, survive it. (laughs) Birth plans are great, but I don't want moms to get stressed out about making a birth plan. Because really, nothing goes according to plan when you're birthing yeah. a child. I shouldn't have said it's, plan, but knowing what your options, like what those yes, options are. Yes. And if you don't understand the medical options, please talk to your doctor about them. Because it needs to be your experience, you know? And so I didn't make a birth plan for my son because I, I didn't even think about it, quite honestly. And when I made my birth plan for my daughter... It actually included a section that said, I want a member of the medical staff to slap my husband if he calls this child Beldar. <laughs> because when my son was born, he had such a huge cone head that oh my, my husband started calling him names. And I'm like, no, get out, dude. Like, stop. Yeah. So the birth plan can be anything that you think will make your birth experience easier for you. Um I don't want to say more enjoyable, but like less stressful, put whatever you want in there. Like I, I put, I want the hospital's crushed ice at my bedside, like at all times if possible, you know, it's, it's just what is going to be individual for you to help you with this part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I I had no idea any of this stuff and I, it was just whatever they told me to do with my first, I did it. And then I was just like, 
a traumatic experience. And then I felt all the guilt because my kid ended up in the NICU and everything. I'm like, Oh, it's because we did this, this, and this. And then I was like, I should have been more proactive and like learned more and like said no to some of those things. And I was just like, the mom guilt starts at birth even. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's, it does. And the other thing too, is, you know, I had it a little bit easier because I understand the medical lingo, right? Yeah. Please don't hesitate to advocate for yourself during any part of this journey, because, you know, sometimes doctors use big words. They don't mean to, they're just used to it. That's what, you know, they know. If you don't understand something, please ask. If you don't like what's going on or you want to understand it better, speak up, advocate for yourself. You have that right as a woman to do that. I think it's just a lot of people don't know. Like at me, like I was like, I don't even know what to that time. And the first one, I was like, I didn't even know what to advocate for. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, that's one of the reasons I actually wrote the book because I wanted to explain a lot of these things to yeah. moms that don't know what to expect. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's, uh, you know, I, again, weighing in from a non-mom perspective, but it's kind of like, you know, as going into it, you, you need to have some idea of what to expect. So for Aaron's example, or she didn't know the first time and you only know what you, what you don't know. Right. So having, and this is like more importantly, like why it's so important to pick up a copy of your book, like, because it sets that tone and it helps prepare you ahead of time versus like, giving you that guideline checklist. So feeling like the expectations are off, off the plate, but being prepared is like the, you know, you're preparing for life. Like this is the readiness and this is before, instead of like feeling like, you know, I, again, non-mom, but I have a lot of mom friends that feel like that panic and frantic mode as soon as it happens, because they're not prepared. They feel like they have because they talked to all their mom friends. They played the game, the telephone, they read, you know, the what to expect when you're expecting kind of stuff. But it's like really the, the inner preparation for you instead of the external preparation, right? So kind of in your book, you talk about this stuff to help guide and, and, you know, facilitate the, the outcomes that these women will need to know as they're coming to these next stages in their life. So can you talk a little bit further about that context in your book and, and really how like your, your book and your story kind of highlight what to expect when you're expecting and yeah and and it's so interesting i did a a radio interview about the book and the first thing that the interviewer said was yeah your book is kind of like the anti what to expect when you're expecting and i was like no 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 it's not it's just a different perspective that is fabulous (laughs) but it doesn't talk about what it's like to poop the first time after you have a kid right and you need to know that stuff and again it's gross it's gushy but these are the things that you need to know And I really, what I did within the book is I thought about everything that moms have told me over the years. I thought about my personal experiences because even as a doctor, there was a lot of stuff I didn't know. I didn't understand that my uterus was going to be the size of a watermelon for a couple of weeks after I gave birth. Yes. (laughs) Um, and, and it's so just, it's, it's a matter of informing and encouraging throughout the book. I like that. I, I remember my son it ended up being an emergency C-section, but I remember like the first time when I was able to get up and walk around, I walked into the bathroom and I was like, is there another one in there? Like my stomach oh, yeah. is exactly the same. I still yeah. look like I did when I came in. Yeah. yeah. I oh, yeah. And, and again, one. it's the stuff that you need to know, but that nobody seems to talk about. 
Yeah. And I didn't know, I remember like reading like all these kits, like there's all these like postpartum kits and all that kind of stuff, which some of the stuff I didn't end up needing to use because of having a C-section, but I was like unprepared for a lot of things too. And just, and it's different, right? Whether you have a vaginal or C-section, right? Because like both can be terrifying and have a lot of things happen. And even after my first was emergency C-section, but he ended up in the NICU and all my friends are like, why are you so scared? Like you've had a baby, you've recovered from a C-section before. So you are like, you know what to do. And I was like, I don't even remember. Cause I was so worried about him in the NICU that I wasn't even thinking about it was, I don't even, I don't remember. I remember nothing about recovering from having a baby. It's weird how that works, but I'm like, you know, and and some of it is maybe like self-preservation because it's hard recovering after a baby, but 95% of deliveries will have some type of complication. And sometimes 95%, 95% doesn't make me feel good. That doesn't make me feel good. (laughs) The good thing is that most of the complications are minor. Okay. Is that all births or like vaginal births, C-section births, all births? That's all. Yeah. Wish I didn't know that. (laughs) But the, the point of me saying that is not to scare anybody, but to understand that things come up and that even more stresses the importance of standing up for yourself, asking questions, making sure you know what's going on, making sure you understand what choices you have and don't have. Because it can get a little chaotic. I mean, especially, you know, like during a, an emergency C-section, things move right. quickly. I was glad that they moved quickly at that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. A lot can happen. And then you just got to, yeah. It's such a process. You're right. It's just like, you just think having this baby is like, oh, I'm just going to get pregnant. And then a stork is going to come deliver my baby to me and hand me my cute baby. Then I'm going to go off into the sunset. My Yeah. And then I think too, a thing that goes undiscovered. I don't know if you talk about this in your book or not, but like your relationship, like I was a total bee face to my husband a lot. Like the first couple of months, like I was not a nice person at all. I was irritated all the time. I was mad. I said so many times, I was like, that I felt like I was sold on having a baby because everyone tells you how amazing it is and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is not amazing. I hate this and I'm miserable. And it was like a 2020 baby, April, 2020. So I'm like, there's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. I'm stuck inside of this. Uh-huh. And I was just like terrible. So it was just like that relationship, I guess, of like with spouse or partner or whatever, you know, how crazy that yeah. can get. <laughs> I, I do. I, I talk about that in the book, both from intimacy perspective, as well as just a a connection perspective. And communication is so key. And when you're exhausted, like the last thing you may want to do is talk to your partner, but that's exactly when you need to do it. Yeah. Or even knowing what to ask for, like what you want. I didn't know what I wanted. I just wanted to be like by myself on a beach somewhere without anybody. Yeah. That that couldn't happen. (laughs) But like... That like just knowing those things. And I guess too, like finding a community or group of people because I like thought I was insane until like talking to other moms. And like, luckily I found like a mom group that we would like go for walks and stuff. Yeah. Um, And I was like, so we could talk and I was like, okay, like I'm not insane. Like everyone else seems to be feeling this way too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't enjoy being a mom until my son was nine months old. But probably the same. Yeah. It, oh. it, you know, he was a, a tough baby. He mm-hmm. was a preemie and he had acid reflux and he, he needed surgeries and he didn't sleep. And it just was like, what did I get myself into? 
Yeah. You know, but that's okay. And and I felt so horrible about that, yeah. you know, um, and especially as a, as a pediatrician, like I'm supposed to be rocking this thing. And I yeah. felt like an absolute failure for the first nine months of his life. Like it just didn't click for me right away. Mm-hmm. Same. I don't think it's clicked for me yet either. I tell my friends, I'm like, I'm, I'm not good with kids. And like some of these other moms looked at me like, <laughs> you're a mom and you're having another one. I was like, I know, but like, I don't feel like it comes naturally at all. And it's like, not, it's work, but I love it. Right. Cause there's those moments. Like I told my husband today and I'm not usually a crier. Like my husband's like, you've cried more in 2022 than I've seen you cry in our entire, since I've known you. So I think, I don't know if it matters what sex of a baby it is. This one's a girl. So I feel like I'm more like hormonal, (laughs) but like, I'm like mean sometimes or whatever. And I was sitting there, we're moving and I was like packing up a box and my kid was playing. And then he just came over and like grabbed me and put his head on my chest. And I got like all teary eyed. I was like, uh-huh. oh, I do like this. Yeah. There's <laughs> like, those moments that are like, uh-huh. okay, all right. It's funny too. I don't know where it was because I think I was looking through some of your stuff today. Do you have something about kids like toddlers being a-holes? Yes. Yeah, yes. I saw that because I said... To my husband, see, I'm not because for the first like a little bit of my kid's life, there were times I called him an a hole, like out of oh, frustration, yeah. like he's being an asshole, like he's yeah. just being an asshole. <laughs> and, like, yeah. my husband's like, he's a baby. And then I saw yeah. that today and I was like, all right, I'm not alone. No, not at all. No, I actually I have a, a digital course that's called Kids Can Be A Holes Understanding and Managing Problematic Behaviors of Toddlers and Preschoolers. Yeah. And it really looks at the toddler and preschooler brain. And where they are in their current developmental levels, what they're capable of emotionally, socially, and just explaining why they act like little jerks. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I can, I, from an auntie perspective, uh-huh. I can relate. Yes. And I always just wonder, like, just watching them grow up from like a, a you know, non, non, what is it, un- unbiased perspective here. Cause I would see them, you know, frequently throughout the years, but just watching them grow. And, and I was just, admired by the different stages they were going through. And I think I was more curious, the more curious they got as they're growing in their developmental stages. It's just so cool to witness that. So is that um, your course? Is that found on your website too? Or is it? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. when Aaron was talking about a mom's group to join, I know that you have one. And it's, I got you, mama, right? Uh-huh. So yeah. do you talk a lot about like the coursework and some of that criteria and stuff that you have um, that's available under your your trainings and your lessons? Is that something available inside your community group as well? So I do have, I actually have, um, the best way to learn about the course is I have a webinar called Three Simple Secrets for Successful Parenting. And at the end of the webinar, I kind of talk about the course. I try not to push too much of my stuff in the Facebook community. I got you mama, because I really want it to be a place for moms to connect and feel secure and feel comfortable talking about the stuff that people don't want to talk about. And I probably should be maybe a little bit more like, Hey, here's my, my really cool information for you. But I try to not put it there. I tend to talk more about that stuff on like my personal Facebook and Instagram pages. Yeah. Cause in, in your, in your Facebook community group, you know, like something what Aaron was talking about is that, is that what, what some of the conversations that are happening inside your community group? So with our, with our active audience and listening, you know, what can they expect from that community group? So 
for that, what they, what value they could find there, yeah. leading them there and just get really getting to know you and the community and the other members there to feel like they are supported, to know that they yeah. are seen in that matter. And, and of course, being validated is, uh, you know, definitely a, a, a high criteria there. So yeah, tell us more yeah, about so, your Facebook group. So, you know, it's a little bit medical. It's, it's a little bit child development and it's just a lot of real life parenting. Like, my kid ate SpaghettiOs for dinner. What'd your kid eat for dinner? And just kind of normalizing the fact that being a parent is really, really hard. And we don't have to do this by ourselves. And we can be messy and still be great parents. Yeah. Well, that's great. So like, you got all these kind of tools in place along with your, you know, professional experience. And then of course, firsthand experience. And so just your your life's mission, if you kind of had to sum that up and like everything you're doing with how would you express that? What would you say is kind of tying everything together? So my passion is to help parents create more peaceful, effective parenting journeys, whatever that looks like for them. Mm -hmm. And I love to create content. So I write books, I do digital courses. um, I have an email newsletter that I'm starting in the near future, just as a a way to connect with other other parents. Mm -hmm. Love that. Definitely, definitely, you know, got to check, check out all of the things. And of course, we're going to sh- put everything in the show notes to linking back to you and just really, you know, you guys got to check out everything that she's doing. It sounds like incredible work. And of course, you know, let's hear it from Aaron being a mom, but I'm just putting my perspective here and just listening in. I'm like, this is, this is value. Yeah, this yeah. is really good. So Aaron, I'd, I'd do you have any more questions that you got? I, I, how much time we got? Cause I feel like I can ask like a hundred questions. I, I have no place to go, ladies. I am happy to chat as long as you want to chat. No, I think, I think, um, I love the idea of your Facebook group and book and all that kind of fun stuff too. I think it's something that provides a lot of value for moms, especially like me. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm at, I'm at those points with that you mentioned in the title of your book, right? Like pregnant. 27 weeks today, countdowns on. I literally like cross things off every day. Every day the week number goes down. I'm like, yes, now it's 13. <laughs> like there. Yeah. But I'm saying, like being in all those phases where it's like pregnant, ready to be done, pregnant, dealing with a toddler, like all that kind of stuff. I feel like I'm like in all those areas that yeah. you talk about in your book, except uh-huh. for apparently I should have read the pre part because I missed maybe I wouldn't have been here. <laughs> but <laughs> But I, I'm in the middle of it now. There's no going back. But um, but I do. I think that's something for where I'm at as a mom that that you look for, right? And you, and you find it in places that aren't always accurate, right? Like I thought the right. brain thing was real. So yeah. so I think that's great um, knowing that there's a source like yourself out there that is a, a pediatrician. So with your kiddos and all that kind of stuff. And then also a mom, someone in that space that knows where to get that. I think it's a really valuable resource for moms to be able to, to ask and like know what to ask and not be afraid to ask. And I, it's taken me, I mean, what, my kid's going to be two. So it's probably taken me, uh, it took me like a year and a half to realize, like, I don't give a shit how dumb these questions are. Like I'm asking them because I have no idea. Yeah. What and and I, I always tell my families, there is no dumb question when it comes yeah. up to your a kid and there's no dumb concern either. Yeah. Like I have so many moms that are like, this may sound crazy, but this may sound silly. This may sound dumb. No, 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 no. Your questions yeah. and concerns are valid. You know, I do have something I want to address before we wrap up. Cause I think it is relevant to, especially to a lot of 
the type of pe- like women that listen to our podcast too. Because yeah. I think, um, you know, generationally speaking, right? Like, you know, my mom and all that kind of stuff when they were having me and my cousins, like that's what they were doing. Like they were moms, they stayed at home. My mom worked, but she stayed at home till we were like, till I'm the youngest. So I was like five, right? Yeah. So at home, all that kind of stuff, but whatever. And I think now a lot of women are, have more going on mm-hmm. <laughs> in life, right? Most people don't rely on a one income household. There's two and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And obviously you have your own, pra- you know, your practice as a doctor and found time to write a book as a mom, like <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So I guess like, do you see like women moms facing more challenges because they're trying to spread themselves? so thin in all these different areas, whether that's a good thing or bad thing, because sometimes it's nice to have the distraction and go work on something else, you know, but like, I don't want to say finding that balance, because I don't, I don't know that that's a thing. I don't think that there is a balance in certain areas of life, at least for short term. (laughs) But, um, but I guess from that perspective, because obviously, you are someone that you have your professional career and married and kids and writing a book, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you know, it's interesting because society expects moms to do all things, be all things and look good while you're doing it. And as moms, we need to start a revolution be like, no, 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 I need help. Yeah. And I a hundred percent agree with you that there, there is no balance. I look at it as a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. There are some days when I'm in the office until seeing patients till six o'clock at night. There are other days when I just need to edit my second book, there are, you know, so it's a sliding scale. And please, anybody that's listening, get the thought that you have to do it all alone out of your head. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nobody raises children well without help Mm -hmm. or without community. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, just something that came to my head. um, How often do, do women typically or moms typically do ask their partner for help? Was that almost like a mom badge of honor? Just, just totally curious. I'm throwing yes. it out there. Is it? Yeah. It, it, you know, I think it's, it's a female badge of honor. Right. Quite honestly, even for the non moms, I think that like we're viewed as superheroes if we can do everything and take off the cape. Like let's, let's mm-hmm. be real with ourselves because we don't want to get lost in the process. Right. Like, one of the worst things that I, I see in, in my practice is a mom that completely neglects herself because she's got so much else going on and because she wears all of that stuff as a badge. Yeah. Right. All, all the roles and all the hats instead of delegating to where the responsibilities should lie. Like, right. you know, asking your partner to maybe help out 50% or even starting at 25% or just yes. some bit to build up that structure and routine, which basically buys back your time so that you can deposit into your personal bank account per se. Like, yes. oh, right. you know, my my spouse is watching my kid for two hours and now I can go work on my book. Like right. it's a buyback, a trade-off of time. And I think, yeah, I mean, what you said, it, it is mostly women, like a women's badge of honor, but you do see a lot of it in the moms because now they've t- taken on this new role and identity. And then it's like, they want to look like they're succeeding from the get-go. And, and then they keep that up. It almost becomes like a facade where, yeah, look at me. I've got everything all balancing and it's all well and I'm juggling, but inside you're like, where did, where did I go? Like the person, yeah, right? like that identity. Yeah. Thank oh. God. I do not have those badges and my husband's way a better parent than I am. <laughs> I'll just call it what it is. So thank goodness. Have a kid with somebody that's a better parent than you. <laughs> oh, but I feel like he's like 
since the beginning, since all like whatever, right? Since be, knowing we're having a second child, all that kind of stuff. I feel like my husband, he's always been great. He's always been really helpful and supportive and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes it's hard, right? Because he needs to, you know, he works all day and then then I coach basketballs, right? So basketball ended. So then I'm going, right? So he didn't get any time either. It was like, go from work and then I'm going to basketball. So then it's dad. So no time for him either, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel yeah. like it's like that that understanding of what both need <laughs> to, yeah. to make it work. And then every mom struggles with this. I haven't met one that hasn't when it's bedtime. It's always like, do I go to bed now? Or do I like enjoy <laughs> this silent time? That yeah. I, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, asking for help and just, yeah, I don't know. M- something must have happened to me a while ago. I think I let the pride and ego of being a mom go from the beginning. I was like, from the straight up, I was like, this sucks. I'm terrible at it. So people have to help me. <laughs> but I, I, you know what? I bet you're probably not terrible at it. I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. Yeah. And that, I think it's probably that comparison, right? Like, we're, well, yeah. there's a better mom because they're doing those things, but yeah. yeah. Even like the speech thing. I was like, my kid probably doesn't talk well because I suck at teaching. Like I'm not a teacher type person. I'm not someone to sit on the floor for two hours and be like yellow, <laughs> you know? So then it's like my <laughs> fault, right? Cause I should be teaching him these things. And you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. But kids that age don't learn like that. Kids that age learn through something called modeling, which is observational uh-huh. learning. So they're learning just by watching you. Oh gosh. Now I got to think about what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, that's how my kids started learning how to swear, right? Because I, I swore around them. Goodness. My poor kid. That's going to happen too. I know it. Uh, and you know what? I'm proud of the fact that both of my kids' first swear words was the F word. And it happened before they were three years old. Like that, I just, I, I'm proud of that. They're learning to express <laughs> themselves. Exactly. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Wow. This is good. All right. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of do a recap. I, I want you to kind of highlight some of the, you know, to talk about your book, cause we talked about it throughout, but you know, the name of your book and your courses and your Facebook group. And of course, we're going to link all of that in the show notes. So let's just kind of rapid fire. How can people, people learn- find your book? Right. All so, right. So let's give all the details. My book is called, I got you mama, a pediatrician's guide to surviving and thriving during pregnancy, childbirth, and the first year of your baby's life. It's available on Amazon at Barnes and Nobles. And I recently found out that Target is now selling it online. It's pretty awesome. Um, The Facebook group is called, I got you mama, M-A-M-A. What else have I got going on? Your course. Digital course. The digital course is called Kids Can Be A-Holes, Understanding and Managing Problematic Behavior of Toddlers and Preschoolers. And you can access that by going to my website, which is www.igotyoumama.com. Love it. Love it. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you so much for being our guest because I've I've learned a lot. Like it just brought some value to me. I'm like, okay, now, now I can kind of parent my niece and nephew from afar, but yeah. uh, it's always good to learn, you know, firsthand. Cause at least even from mom to non-mom, it's great to just to, to understand each other the best that we can. Right. So it's all through communication. So right. I just want to thank you for being our guest and we look forward to following along with you on your journey. So thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk to you ladies today. Hey, it's Erin and Rachel. If you love what you're hearing, and I know you are, be sure to subscribe, like, and review the Confident Woman podcast. We appreciate you listening. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Confident Woman podcast. Um, For more 
ways to connect with us, check out our Facebook group. It's The Confident Woman on Facebook. There's a ton of amazing ladies in that group that you can connect with as well. My Instagram is at Aaron underscore travels for life. Make sure you go ahead and follow that and follow Rachel as well. What is yours, Rachel? You can follow me on all social medias at I am Rachel Brooks. Awesome. Thanks so much. Look forward to checking you next week.